Hey guys, this is Tracy. And this is Kurt. And this is the MFG cast. Guess what? We're going to do another dual review of two games that were given to us at Gen Con, Kurt. You didn't even give me a chance to answer you when you said, guess what? I oh. was, you left me in suspense for like three seconds. No, not even. Half I a was second. guess whatting our fans. Oh, okay. Yeah, not now, you. Now, let's, hey, let's give them a moment of silence to guess what they, guess what we're doing. Okay, time's up. They don't know what games. That's true. So we're doing a duet, so to speak. Okay. Of two games that were presented to us at Gen Con by Good Games Publishing. And what are those two games? The two games. Drum roll. Um, let's see. Let's see if I can not make a bad thing so everyone's ears hurt. <laughs> Fluttering Souls. And Fairy Season. Noise. I know. I know. Too small but boisterous? No, okay, maybe not. Yeah, boisterous uh, is a good Boisterous, word. okay. Games. Um, they may pack a pun pack. What kind of. <laughs> I'm from Wisconsin. I'm from they're Wisconsin. Gonna pa- they're going to pack gonna... a punch. Don't you know? Okay. Anyway, I would think they pack a little more punch than um, you would maybe think. So that's what we're going to talk about today, guys. And girls. And girls. And everyone else. And everybody. Aliens and things. Non-binaries. Everybody in between. Yes, we welcome all. That's right. So let's get right to it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's talk. Which one do you want to talk about first? Oh my gosh, I don't know. Let's uh, let's talk about some uh, fluttering souls first. Cool. I will introduce the game if you will let me. Oh my gosh, I love it when someone else does the work. I know, I know, I know. So I was thinking we could talk about Fluttering Souls first. What do you think about that, Kurt? Sounds like a plan. Awesome. So Fluttering Souls by Mr. Joel Lewis, who we had the pleasure of meeting at Gen Con. Yep, so if you didn't listen to that Gen Con episode, I think it was uh, our part one. Yeah, go and take a listen to that. Yeah, he was the designer. It was developed by Kim Breebach, uh, artist Dejana Louise Watson. I think that's Deanna, but I could be wrong. Oh, it's spelled a little bit different, so I don't know. This game is for ages four and up. It's a two-player game. Or 14 and up. What did I say? Four and up! <laughs> Bring your toddlers. Everyone can play. <laughs> well... Oh, there are pieces in here they can eat, so we probably don't. Okay, 14 and up. It's got it's got small writing people. Holy, that's why she. That's holy why she moly! I need a monocle. Okay, um, two players. So here we're gonna review a two-player game. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Okay, and it plays about twenty minutes. That's right. 
So why don't you tell everybody how to play Fluttering Souls? I shall. Cool. So like Tracy said, Fluttering Souls is a two-player game. You play it over three to five rounds. And in each round, players take turns collecting butterflies to earn victory points to win the game. At the end of each round, players tally their victory points from the set of butterflies that you've collected. And then the player with the most victory points is awarded the white butterfly token, which is a visit from a lost one. So if you want to know about the legend of the white butterfly, just go back to that interview we have with Joel Lewis. He actually talks about that. It's a great little background, so we won't talk about it here. Yeah. And then whoever collects three out of the five butterflies wins the whole game. So you say collecting butterflies. How? Are they like physical? Like, are they cards? Are they tokens? Like, what are they? Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you about the components of this game. So you have 21 butterfly cards. So there you go. Cool. Cards. Cards. You've got 15 layout cards, which shows you how to put them out. And then the five butterfly tokens you would do to collect. Awesome. Okay. So to set up this game, you actually put the butterfly tokens off to the side. Uh, you shuffle the cards for the layouts and place them face down to make a deck. Take the top card of the face down deck and put it below as your layout for your first round. That will be the layout of the cards, of course, uh, depending upon if they're face up or face down. So on for the layouts for the cards, it'll either have a white side or a black side. So if it's white, then the cards will be placed face up. And then if they're if it's black, then they're face down, so you can't see what they are. Okay, you remove the great egg fly from the butterfly cards and place it off to the side. Shuffle the other butterfly cards and place cards onto the table one at a time, matching the rounds layout. Starting with the row closest to the fluttering souls logo. So the fluttering souls logo is usually on the top left, so you start usually on the top and go down. And then once you set up all the cards according to the layout, you will have two cards remaining. Set those off to the side. They will not be used for that round. And that'll vary every single time, I would imagine. That's Because right. it's just randomly, they're just randomly dispersed on randomly, the board. Yep. And we talk, on the yep. table. So when we talked to Joel about it, they uh, really, they really play tested all the layouts on the cards. So every layout is unique and every layout has its own strategies on it. So for playing around... Uh, the player wearing the most colorful clothing is the first player. So that's usually going to be me because Tracy always dresses so drab. Hey. <laughs> Just kidding. It's true. The second player receives the great egg fly card. And we'll talk about that later. Uh, starting with the first player, players take turns choosing an open butterfly card on the layout there. And what we mean by open is that it's not covered by another card. So some of the ones towards the top are going to be covered. The ones usually near the bottom are not going to be. Players continue to collect their cards until there are none left, and then you score for the round. Before we talk about how to score for the round, let's talk about the Great Egg Fly card. So the Great Egg Fly card is not worth any victory points, but it does win for the tied game. After a player with the Great Egg Fly card collects a card, you actually can put the Great Egg Fly card on an open spot, to kind of block other the other player from getting a card that they want. So that's something you can do throughout the game. But once that great egg fly card is on the board, then another player can snatch that up and use it, can use that too to break the tie or to mess somebody up by putting it down and um, blocking another card from another person. Scoring the round, you actually get points depending upon uh, the collection of the cards and what the butterflies are. So let's go through what kind of butterflies are. 
They have the 88 Butterfly, Blue Morpho, Monarch, Swallowtail, and then, of course, that Great Eggfly. And then this is how scoring goes. So for the Blue Morpho, if you have three of those cards, you score four points. If you have two of the 88s, you score three points. If you have two times the Swallowtail, you get no points. So this as a single wild card to add to another set, but you can't have both of them. And you can, otherwise you get no points. And it can't be used as a great egg fly card either. If you have one Swallowtail, that would score you two points. If you have four Monarchs, that scores you eight points. Three Monarchs will get you five points. And two Monarchs will get you two points. And then the great egg fly gives you no points. But if there's a tie at the end, then the person holding the great egg fly card will break the tie and be the winner of that round. So with the details of the scoring, like you said, you can do multiple collections of the same type of butterfly. You can. Okay. Yep. So, you know, depending upon the layout, you can kind of see what's out there and what you can use for collection because you're always discarding those two cards for every round. You don't know what those are, but you can kind of look to see on the board, kind of strategize, like... How you want to collect between the two players especially if you have the great egg flight card too you can kind of block somebody from getting something that they want but also in a future round they can block you so you got to kind of master that whole like how's that going to shape out yeah and it, well and everything is like kurt said everything is displayed out there regarding the other player too so you kind of have an idea of what they're aiming for regarding their collection the only thing that is not necessarily displayed is um when you lay out the cards at the beginning because you have some face up some face down and so you don't know what you're going to be flipping Mm -hmm. as you're taking your turn so that's cool because that's true there's a there is a uncertainty of what what you have Mm -hmm. yeah definitely so to start a new round you would do the setup just like you would do normally except you would take the next layout card from the top of the layout deck put it face up so everyone can see lay out the cards and then play the game over again and then whoever collects the three butterflies out of the five will win the game i also was going to say that at the end of a round you collect the wooden butterfly whoever wins no that's right like you were saying once somebody collects what three Mm -hmm. but you collect one at the end of every round so that's right and then to start the new round, uh, the person who lost actually becomes first player, and then the second player gets that great egg fly card to start the round. Cool. So yeah, so that's Fluttering Souls in very basic terms. It's a fun little two-player game. It's very quick, easy to learn. It's got a nice little strategy. Cool playing mat. Yeah. Well, it doesn't. Come, there's not a playing mat that comes with the game. Yeah. We, but it offers chance for purchase of a playing yeah. mat. Uh, we like this game so much and like the playmat so much that we actually bought the playmat, even though we got a review copy, thanks to Good Games Publishing for uh, letting us have a review copy of this. But let's talk about pros and cons of the game. Sure. So uh, what did you like about Fluttering Souls? I thought the art was beautiful. Yep. The art is amazing. Yeah. yeah. All the butterflies and the concept of the game and stuff like that was I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Nothing just, like you, nothing like I'd ever seen played. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny because when I when I had seen this, I was like, "Oh, these 
cool butterflies and a cool little strategy. And then when when Joel ta- talked about the background of the white butterfly and the name of the game, Fluttering Souls, I thought, wow, that's a great idea about you know that being the being the concept. And it's just I don't know, just everything about this game is super fun. Like again, I think it, I would call it almost a you can I I would call it almost a gateway game slash filler game you yep. know and um, it's got a lot of good strategy to it it's it's something that i don't feel like i'll ever get bored with which is kind of cool as far as like two-player games i would actually put it high up there from other two-player games that i really like mm-hmm. like this and patchwork have good strategies where you kind of are you're kind of thinking of what's out there and you're you know trying to vie for different spots but also there is that unknown where it's like okay so you, know, you can't happen. always do the same thing. No, exactly. Yep. I also like the um, the drafting cards. Would you call them drafting cards? Like the cards that you display at the beginning for the setup of each of the turns. Oh, so the layout cards? The layout cards. I couldn't yeah. think of what they were called. Because then you don't have to think of how you want to lay them out. Granted, it leaves um, for opportunity, I think, for you to be able to lay them out how you want to in the end. But... It isn't like he just gave you five. Mm-hmm. He gave you a whole stack of them, so that's cool. I think I think too. Yeah, because they're different different um, concepts of how you can lay out the game. And like you said early on, um, he thought through how he wanted to lay them out. In fact, when you were interviewing, he's like, "This is my favorite layout," mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, or and when we were playing with him, I think is yeah, when. yeah, yeah, basically, yep, and. Uh, yeah, because it was like, you know, this is a kind of game where you have to have them kind of stacked in a way you can't have, like, a empty spot in the middle because that doesn't quite work. But some of the layouts were like, one looks like an upside-down triangle. So one of them looks like a triangle. One of them looks like an orb. You know, it's like there's yeah. different ways for it to be set up and play. And, yeah, I just, I really, really enjoyed it. I don't, I, I really don't see any cons of the game. The only con of the game I would see is that if you're not into two-player games that obviously you won't want to play this because if you want to play more players, but uh, that's basically the only con I see. Like, even with even with the, the only so many layout cards, which was, what, 21 or something like that, I still think that playing this over and over again, I don't think it will get old. I don't know. Right. You know, I'd almost kind of like to see, too, if I could make up my own layout cards i'm sure it probably wouldn't work but it'd well, be kind of cool to well see that's what i said like i think eventually if you played enough maybe you'd could mix it up a little bit yeah yeah but it's not like he hadn't provided enough yeah layout cards for you to play copious amounts of games before you ever got sick of the layout mm-hmm. yeah exactly or the layouts yeah for sure any yeah. other cons that you can think of about the no. game at all So let's rate the game on our uh, rating scale. So we've got Collection Keeper. It's one that we would have in our collection, play all the time. It's just one of our favorites. We also have Fair Player. It's one that's going to get a fair amount of plays, but it's not going to get played all the time, but a decent amount. The next one is Overlooked. It's one of those that we'll play every once in a great while, but it's not one we're always going to look to. We'll always look to other things more than that. And then the last but not last and least <laughs> is the unfortunate passer. It's one of those that's just not quite our game. So, Tracy, what would you rate Fluttering Souls by Good Games Publishing? 
Hmm. I guess, why do I always struggle with reading games? <laughs> I would... Because you're too nice. Well, I'm, I'm not afraid to read it, I guess. I think... When I'm worried is when I don't like the game and I don't want to tell anybody about it. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I don't want to you're tell too, anyone I don't like too, it. You're too nice. And I'm not worried about not liking this game, but I'm debating between Collection Keeper and Fair Player. Mm-hmm. Because I think that I lean towards Collection Keeper because, well, I'm hesitating between the two because I think Collection Keeper because we play two-player games quite often and that's kind of our thing is to we either seek out games that are two-player or games that offer a two-player feature that isn't better off with more players but on the other hand I I go towards fair player because I don't know if it's the very first game or even the fifth game that I would select first I think it's not that I it's forgotten or anything like that, but maybe in maybe the top twenty or something like that. So I kind of am toggling and I between collection keeper and fair player. Not anything about it being a bad game, but I think it's just because there's so many games out there and I am so indecisive. So what do you think, Kurt? I think that this is a fair player. I think we, like you said, we play a lot of two-player games together. It's not one of those that we're going to go for like right away, but I think it's one of those that when we play it, we really enjoy it, and we kind of get on streaks where we're like, hey, let's play this again. Hey, let's play this again. Plus, when we were at Gen Con, like, Logan really was really into this game right away, and he wanted to get the Playman too. He's like, can we get the Playman? We're like, well, we already th- thought we were going to get it, so we were really excited to you know, play it. So yeah, I think it's one of those that's going to get a lot of gameplay. It might not get it all the time, but when it does, it's going to get it in big chunks because I think we play it kind of over and over again. I agree. So yeah. Yeah. So that's Fluttering Souls. Cool. All right. So moving on to fairy season. So let's talk about, so Tracy, what is fairy season? Fairy season is the second game we're going to be reviewing by Good Games Publishing also. And it is designed by Gavin Jenkins and Dan Fish. And they have a note in here that Dan Fish is from Black Toe Games. Oh, so a little little team up. Yes, it looks like it. And then it looks like artist is Sean Andrew Murray. Ages 10 and up, 3 to 5 players, and it plays about 20 minutes. So what happens in Fairy Season? How do we play this game? Oh my gosh, let me tell you. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I'm so intrigued now. Tell me more. You, uh, you are? Yeah. The Goblin Chiefs, which are the players, you and I. Oh, we're Goblin Chiefs in that. Interesting. We are. But it's not just you and I because it's three to five players, so That's we true. have to utilize Logan also. <laughs> well, or, you know, yeah. two other people too if we want to. Yes. Order our flunkies. Into the forest to catch fairies across the four seasons. Oh, yeah. Duh. And the four seasons in this game are spring, summer, autumn, and winter. Wait a minute. I've never heard of those seasons before. Why would they be in this game? Because those are the seasons <laughs> they're going to use. I know. I, just, I think it's funny because it's just like, 
it's our seasons, obviously. Well, I know, but sometimes people don't call it autumn. They call it fall. That's true. Yeah. I like autumn. So those are the, that is the order that you always have to follow. We have to shake out their fairy dust to make a wicked winter brew. Nice. Sounds tasty. I don't know about that. You herd fairies into swarms and use goblins to trick and trap them. And I'll give more examples of those as we talk. Lure in the mighty royal fairies to free their flighty fairy friends. That is a lot of Fs. <laughs> then catch them too. Nice. So we're, we're stinky old goblins and we want all the fairies. We want to collect them all so we can have something to Something to snack on or we drink or swarm. We want to get a swarm. That's right. We want all the fairies. Yep. And then the chief who catches the most fairies wins. Remember when I said we are goblin chiefs? Yeah, yeah. So whoever collects the most wins. Cool, chief. So basically there is a whole stack of cards um, that contain um, those season fairies that we talked about. The summer. Oops. I didn't say the seasons right. Spring, Spring summer, summer, autumn, autumn winter. and winter. Yeah. And they're all numbered, one through eight. There's, I think, two of each um, number. There's four royal fairies. So there's a royal prince, a uh, queen. Uh, royal, a royal prince, a royal princess, a royal king, and a royal uh, queen. Yep. There's 16 goblins, two of each. Each of the eight different goblins. So technically there's eight goblins, two of each. And then there's six traps. And we'll talk about what the traps are um, in a little bit. Cool. But basically you take all of those cards and you shuffle them up together. And then you deal out five cards to each player, no matter how many players you're playing with. Three or four. Or... Five. It doesn't matter. You still each get five cards. Okay. And you could all look at them. Then place the remaining cards face down in the center of the table, and that forms your deck. So, how are we going to play this game? Basically, your player, or the players, or you as the goblin, is what they're called, the goblin chiefs. You're going to take turns going back and forth to play cards, and you want to collect swarms of fairies to score the most um, points at the end of the game. I suppose you're probably wondering how you do this. How do we do that? So basically what you're going to do, the first player who, they say, starting player is the first player who ate a mushroom last. So it'll never be Logan. <laughs> Which is funny. What does that have to do with this game? I suppose it's part of the brew for the for the well, fairies that you're eating. I uh, I'm thinking because the game has kind of a forestry look. Like a forest kind of look. Yeah, that's true. Um, forest, mushrooms, foraging. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's I love for... mushrooms, man. They're the best. That's not what I meant. <laughs> um, anyway, so we would always be one of the starting players because Logan does not eat mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> so suck it, Logan. <clears throat> yeah. So the first player chooses a card from their hand to play, and they play it face up next to the, the deck that we place in the middle of the table. To start or to begin creating this swarm of fairies. Well, it could be a swarm of anything, really. It could be a swarm of all the other things, but we'll talk about that a little bit more as we're going on. They, You can start with any card that you want, but 
it's typical for somebody to start with one of the beginning seasons if they can. I like spring. Yes. So you start with spring. When you play the card, you use the ability. So when I say you use the ability, each of the cards has um, a few things. So they have the picture of the fairy on it. And then on the upper left-hand corner, they have a number. And then they have the... Why can't I think of this? They have the season. Season. And then they list that it's a fairy. And then they have the ability on the bottom. So depending on the type of fairy it is, it will tell you the ability of that fairy. So the first card I'm going to play is a spring card. It has a two. And on the bottom of that, my ability is going to be able to draw two cards. So I play this card. Then I draw two cards from the stack in the middle. Then the play continues to the left. The next person can play a spring card, but it has to be higher than a two or it can match a two. So what happens if you match the two? You can either draw another card or a extra card from the deck. Let's say you need more cards in your hand or you can stash a card. And by stashing the card, that means that you're creating basically a deck that you count at the end of the game. For victory points? For victory points, yes. Either way, the person to the left would play a spring card that is higher than a two or two spring. Um, It can be that same season or they can even move up to summer. Let's say they hate spring. Let's say they don't have another spring card. They only have summer. So you could play a spring two, three through eight of spring, or you could move up to summer. Okay, so, and, and that would be it. Yeah, so you so say if you had, if somebody played a spring card, you couldn't, even if you had like a autumn or winter card, you can't skip that summer season. You can only go the next season up. Right. And then once you, once you do that, then what, what happens? Say, say if I can't play a card there. So if you can't play um, another season on top of that card. If you have one of those royal fairies that we were talking about, so a prince, a king, a queen, a princess, princess you can play one of those. Those are basically the trump of the the game. I Sorry, I could not think of the word game, apparently. Those are the trump of the game. Um, you could play a goblin. Goblin cards do a lot of different fun things. I grabbed a couple out of the game just to kind of give you an example. So once you play this robber goblin, you're basically able to take a card from anyone else's collection of cards. So um, remember when I said you could, um, if you played a matching fairy, you could stash a card. They're basically having the ability to take one of the cards that matches... Um, what's going on with the season rules and playing out of your stash to basically take points away from you. Or they could take a fairy from their own stash, which I don't really know why you would ever do that. Another one is a party goblin. And that one is, um, once that one's played, you draw two cards and each other player draws one card. So if, if you're struggling with wanting more cards with more seasons or hoping to draw one of those top fairies a royal princess or whatnot you could play the party goblin and then there's the thieving goblin which you stash the top two cards from another player's stash 
So this one is a good card to play if the game has been going on for a while and you collect the Thieving Goblin and you can play this card and you can kind of stop someone from scoring for a while, but you do want to, stashes are kept face up so everyone can see what's on the stash and so you kind of want to make note on what the person has in their stash because if you're stashing the top two cards and both of theirs are goblins, goblins don't count as anything. So you kind of want to kind of think about what you're going to do there too. And then the last card you could play if you cannot play a card on top of that season would be a trap. And you use traps to catch a whole swarm, meaning catching all of the cards that are played on the table. And so the only cards that can be played on top of traps are either another trap, which traps seem to come up in your hands quite often, it seems, or a royal fairy. So one of those princes, princesses, kings, queens, that kind of thing. Um, If the next player can't do this, then they flunk. Then if another player doesn't continue play with one of those royal fairies, then you it turns back to you and you actually win that whole stack of cards okay. to put in your swarm. So basically what you're saying is that the royal fairies are kind of opening the trap to let everybody out so then we can continue to play. Uh, the fairies can continue to get away, but eventually they'll get caught anyway. They're Yeah, they're going to get caught anyway because there's nothing else that plays on top of a royal fairy. The only things that you can play on top of a royal fairy, if somebody ends up playing that, then would be another royal fairy. Or because you, some cards you end up playing sideways so that you can see what's underneath it, would be the next season. And that's that's if a trap isn't involved. Yes. So there's a lot of detail. We did reference a lot back to the directions just to make sure that we had our ducks in a row. No. In regards to that, but yes. So if at any time a, a person or a player can't follow your play, so they can't trap, they can't follow the season, they don't have a royal fairy, any of that, then they flunk. And then if another player doesn't continue to play with that royal fairy, play stops and then you win that swarm. So you put that in your stash aside at the end for scoring. Um, doesn't mean that people aren't going to take from your from your swarm, but that's yours face up until the end of the game. Um, you do not change their order because that will play significance throughout the game if people um, steal based on those types of goblins and things like that that I went over earlier. Um, after after the swarm has been run or run after the swarm has been won. Then in turn order, each player draws cards from the deck until they're up to five cards. So if you already have five cards in your hand, you don't draw anymore. If you need one, you draw one, and then the next person draws until they have five cards in their hand also. But there's no hand size limit. So if a person playing or a player that's playing has seven, they don't have to discard any. And then the last player who flunked, becomes the first player. And then you continue on to start the next swarm. Swarm. Yeah. Or round. So what ha- how does how does it signal the end of the game then? How do we get to the end? So the end of the game is when the last card is drawn from the deck. 
And so that's considered the final swarm. So when this is won, the game is over. And players score all their fairies in their stash. And like I had talked about at the beginning, is the season fairies count as one point, And that doesn't matter whether they're an eight, eight point season. So if it's an eight winter or something like that, that doesn't matter. It counts as a one, um, no matter what. The royal fairies count as a two. Goblins don't count as anything. They just kind of help you along the way. And traps help you along the way too. Potentially, and those don't count as anything either. So you could be stashing a lot of goblins and a lot of traps in your swarm, but you never count anything. Um, One thing to remember, though, is that if your swarm at any time contains all four royal fairies, you automatically win the game. It doesn't matter if the deck has run out or not. That person wins the game. And also, if you have a tie, then whoever has the most uh, royal fairies in their stash wins too cool that in essence is fairy season it's got a lot of instruction for something that's actually pretty basically played let's talk about the pros and cons of this game right away what i kind of just said the con like i think the instructions are just a little too much for a game that's probably super easy to play so the first couple of plays i were kind of confusing because it's like okay what does this do what does that do how can we you know, if I still do that, <laughs> if you couldn't tell, <laughs> yeah. So that's one of the cons of the game. I think uh, another con of this game is I think it plays a little too long. I feel like you know, for a game that's kind of seems like a filler again, you know, I feel like it plays a little too long for what I thought it would play. I guess, uh, and we all, we've only played it like three or four players, so I can't even imagine with five. I don't know if it would make it any longer or whatever. Any cons on this game that you can that. Maybe you just didn't like about it? Um, no, I think you covered it. What about the pros of this game? I think one of the first things that stood out probably was the art. <laughs> We're all about the art in these games. yeah. Well, the, it's really colorful. The art is awesome. The and characters it, are like yeah. very vibrant and... And silly. Yeah, they have their own personalities, it feels like, you know? Yeah, the like the goblins are funny and the fairies are... The fairies are kind of funky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, they look like like something from like a, I don't know, I, it, you know, like a weird fantasy, like animated movie or something. They're they're cool, but they're also kind of haunting almost. It's interesting. They're interesting. Well, this guy kind of looks like they kind of like have a little bit of a Groot look mm-hmm. <laughs> to them. Yeah. But yeah, the the art kind of caught my eye at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. I also think. That in the instructions, I would say I really like the fact that even though it's a little game, I think it's it's nice that some of the portions of the rules in the instructions, they have like little, um, little pieces or examples that show the cards with um, red X's and or yeah, red X's and green check marks based on what type of card you can play um, with that action so i'll give an example because that might not totally make sense if you can't see it but it's talking about can i play a seasoned fairy on top of dot 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 and then it shows one of the uh, uh like the autumn card autumn seven it has a check mark so it's telling you you can play a season card on there um as a check mark um underneath the goblin card and it has an x on a trap 
and it has a check mark, a green check mark on a fairy. A royal fairy. A royal fairy. God, why can't I remember their names? <laughs> and then they talk about a little ditty on season fairies may be played on top of any card except traps, but must follow season rules. And so they give little tidbits on the sides, which is really nice. The only thing, so maybe I need to go back. The only thing I might like to see is some sort of little cheat. I don't know how you would do a little cheat. Uh, you could probably do a card that has, you know, some of the things that can happen, like what you could put on top of traps and when you could play a royal fairy. Like it, it can have a nice little blurb in there. I suppose this little part could be on there. So, yeah. but because we reference, I mean, I still look back at this a lot just because I can't seem to remember for some reason but so that might be my suggestion more than a con because i really like how they place that in the directions you don't see that very often and it pops enough that you can find it in there yeah and i think this is a nice besides being a little longer than i expected like it's still pretty easy to pick up and play and you know even though we referenced some of the rules because we couldn't quite get them in our head or whatever but if it seems like it's still placed pretty straightforward once you get it yep so, so let's rate fairy season by good games publishing what do you think you would rate this game i kind of think that um i would rate this as overlooked and i think that we have enough games in our collection that i feel like i would probably reach for a lot of them before i would reach for for this game mm-hmm. not saying that there's anything wrong with this game in fact i think it's fun when we play it and there's some feistiness that comes along with it yeah <laughs> at times and kurt seems to lately be able to get all of the royal fairies so that's not fair mm-hmm. but i would say um overlooked just for the very reason where i probably would select other games before this one gotcha um, I would actually call this an unfortunate passer for me. I think it's an okay game. I didn't mind playing it. I think if it's this is something I would have, like, say we're at Gen Con and I would have played it, I would have been like, yeah. We did I think, play it. I, I know. Oh. I, what I'm saying Sorry. is if, I didn't get, if we didn't get this as a review copy, I probably wouldn't use my money on it. I'd be like, you know what? I think we have enough games that are kind of like this that we could play that instead. It, like I said, it, it like Tracy said, it's not... It's not a terrible game. It really isn't. It's actually pretty fun to play, but I think it's just something. I think there's other games out there that I could play instead that I would rather. I'd rather play. So yeah, that's it for me. And I have to tell you, I don't think that there. I can't think of another game that's exactly like this one. No, I'm sure there's something that's similar, but like with the theme and how they kind of catch each other and stuff like that. It is. It is kind of unique. It is. Yeah. So yeah. And uh, with both of these games, they're actually pretty inexpensive. So they're actually not going to break the bank for you, really. Mm-hmm. So, or, yeah. or the space on your um, board game shelf. That's true. They're very, very small. You can put them in your... We have a little uh, smaller game shelf that we got kind of... Or a little nook that we have our stuff in. And that's a good little spot to throw those. So, yeah. 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 So thanks again to Good Games Publishing for letting us try these out and uh, give us our pins on it. So if you happen to play these games or have any questions on these games, so reach out to us on Facebook, MFGCast, or at Twitter at MFGCast. We'd love to hear from you. Or you can get, get on, you can 
let Tracy know on her face on her Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? <laughs> no one likes me, and they don't ever reach out to me on there. That's because so. you're not on there enough. You gotta be on there more. I, hey, like me, I'm on every there, five hey, minutes. I'm on there way more. That's right. At Mrs. Og. Yes. Yep. A-U-G, That's right. baby. That's right. And let us know what you think. That's all that we have for this episode of the MFG cast. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, I'm Tracy. And I'm Kurt. And this was the MFG cast. Thanks for listening. Legends of Tabletop Podcast. Creating legends one die at a time.